Hi, everyone. It's Charlie Fink. Welcome to This Week in XR. I'm joined by my partner in crime, Ted Shilowitz, and our friend Amy Peck, who's sitting in with us this week as a guest host. The top three stories this week, um, Hickory Dickory Dock, who's going to get TikTok, Larry Ellison and Oracle emerge as a potential suitor next to Microsoft. Um, Facebook has the uh, social media lit up uh, with its decision to force everyone on the Oculus platforms uh, into a Facebook account. Um, and then finally, uh, the Epic Apple battle goes on uh, with Ep Epic uh, attempting to use uh, its leverage uh, with its uh, 20 zillion users um, to force Apple to relent uh, and allow it to have, uh, I guess, force it to make uh, to lower its pricing uh, in the App Store, not just for them, but I guess for everybody. Uh, the problem with their lawsuit, of course, is that it's not a class action lawsuit. Um, but they may get enough attention and enough allies in this to really create a problem for Apple, at least on the PR front. And Apple, of course, depends on a lot of goodwill. Ted, what's your perspective? Yeah, I think um, the, the technicality is they're trying to renegotiate and rework the splits, right? Um, so the, the amount that Epic gets versus mm -hmm. the round down that Apple gets. And, you know, this is all part of that bigger walled garden strategy, right? That um, all the different giant tech companies are trying to build their own universe and force people through the pay gate. And I guess we were talking about this um, with some friends last week. What's interesting as I sort of look at it and kind of analysis and put analysis against it a little bit is that someone on the Epic side started to do some math on how much it would cost to mount a, a proper lawsuit against Apple, knowing that they're going to have to run it for so long, and then sort of weigh that against the economic win if they accomplish the goal or if they bring more people to the awareness zone that they want to try and challenge this, this pay gate that some people feel is quite onerous. But, you know, it's interesting from Apple's perspective as well that they bring so much to the table and they have built this platform and allowed so many people so much access to this platform that they feel like they need to maintain that ownership. And what their argument is, which I think is also somewhat valuable, is that the goal of Apple as that sort of refined ecosystem that they market and a lot of us buy into is that they want to control that universe so that their end users have a very good, solid experience and that costs money. So, you know, you kind of weigh it all together and it's the scales of justice are going to go one way or the other. Is there a privacy concern there, Amy? I don't think it's as much about privacy as, you know, to Ted's point, you know, sort of the user experience and the sort of standardized, um, you know, sort of end user experience. Um, and, you know, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, Epic kind of went through its own battle with its own developers with its game engine. Uh, where the developers kind of galvanized and said, look, we cannot afford to pay what we're paying you as the, you know, game engine where we're building our experiences onto. So they have experience from this from both sides. So, you know, I do think they have an interesting perspective. And, you know, I, I think it's because there are just, I, I think I saw a figure where, you know, Epic was assuring its users that if they went off of Apple and went through the Epic, you know, pay system, you know, that they have, uh, you know, processed over a billion dollars worth of uh, payments, you know, so, so it's, it's because there's a, there's a big dollar figure here. 
and even a couple of points that they can get back is going to result in millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, it's worth it's worth the lawsuit costs, right? Yeah. And then yeah. the interesting sort of sidebar discussion is the biggest winner out of this little tangle might be Unity as the other one that builds almost all of the apps for the app store for you know various visual things. It's really not Epic that does that. It's Unity that has the lion's share of the the visual sort of gamey like apps. Um, so it could be interesting to see how it plays out. So yeah. this week brought us some news from our friends at Facebook and Oculus, I guess, long live Facebook and goodbye to your Oculus account, at least by 2023. People are pretty bent out of shape about this, I guess, because um, promises had been made to early adopters and um, developers that are now being broken. On the other hand, my first take was, well, at least now, um, Facebook has some control over visual identity in VR. And so I thought, oh, well, this is a move to kind of consolidate that and bring it under the Facebook, um, you know, technology ecosystem so that, you know, people can't impersonate you and, and commit other crimes in VR, which you know, no one has really started to consider yet because it's all fun and games. But when VR is integrated into our banking system, and our e-commerce system, obviously it's gonna matter a lot. Um, a Amy, what's going on here? I mean, why are people so mad at Facebook? Am I wrong? Well, no, I mean, when you, 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 what's the first thing that pops into your head when you think of, you know, sort of having the single sign-on with Facebook, it's data, right? And the kind of data that we're able to, to garner by, you know, behaviors in virtual reality is, is exponentially more sort of personalized and personal than you know just what you're surfing on the web and then when you start to see you know eye tracking we're going to have eye tracking in vr and you're going to have body tracking and that's all data now that's going to be you know sort of you know funneled through the facebook servers and i think that's where you're getting this big knee-jerk reaction so speaking of data ted i'm told or i read um as i tried to understand what's going on with oracle i mean what the heck does Oracle want with TikTok? I know they've got the 30 billion. Um, is, it, uh, is it political? Is it about data? What, what is Oracle gonna get when they buy TikTok? It, it's so strange to me as well. Um, other than some sort of strange dynamic of people in that organization, executives in that organization saying, we have no consumer play. Right. We have no youth play. As business moves from generation to generation, Oracle may have its sort of Facebook layer moment where people migrate away from Facebook. So what did Facebook do? They bought Instagram, right? To keep that relevant core and they're gonna have to buy something else as Instagram ages out, right? Um, this is just a provable thesis over and over again with software platforms and what they bring to the table. So there may be sort of second or third tier um, executives at Oracle saying, we need, we need a consumerized presence to be able to lock into the, the different business cultures that we need to start selling services into that are Gen Z right now, but eventually we'll start to move into the business world. So it's, an, you know, it's kind of like, that's the only thing I can sort of postulate as to why they would look at this. Well, it just occurred to me as you were talking, let me throw this out there and, and see what you think. Um, is it possible that Oracle is feeling the pinch of the end of retail? 
I think that's possible. And I, and I think there are so many. Let, let me explain to the people at home. Almost every cash register that rings up your credit card is running on, well, I guess it's 10 at this point. Um, and so that is, you're talking massive dollars. Massive. Mm -hmm. um, so if those cash registers start, stop ringing, Oracle is going to start stinging. Yeah. And I think it could also be, I think that's a big part of it. And the secondary part of it is all of these other services that mirror a lot of the things that you would use off an Oracle platform to run a business or an organization or share information are being taken over by much more cost-effective, um, much more modern clients like Slack, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of the reason you'd use Oracle starts to dissipate and the veins of its use are starting to only live from a certain generation of users and therefore someone starts to look at the tally and starts to panic a little bit. I think you're right. Well, let's, let's not forget in 1990, IBM was the biggest computer company in the world. Things change. Well, what if we also look at the back end of this and you know, what was the great white hope for Amazon that brought them into profitability? Cloud. Mm -hmm. And Oracle wants to play in that game. Mm -hmm. They are way yes. behind Microsoft, way behind. I mean, they're, they're, not, they're just a, a glimmer. Yeah, so, good, you know, really that's another, piece, that could be another piece of this play and where they see, you know, A, you're, you're building sort of this next generation and access to the next generation of users, but then you're also, you know, build, increasing your you know, kind of sort of cloud infrastructure and capability, you know, where they can maybe actually start to play with the Googles and the Microsoft and the, and the Amazons in, in the cloud space. The thing that I think maybe they don't realize is that I refer to them as clients, right? These various software use case things um, are very much flash in the pan, right? So like TikTok is all the rage now, but might not be six months from now. And all we can go is look back to Vine, which was all right. the rage it's at exactly some point. And this is the evolution of Vine and you're gonna have the evolution of TikTok. Someone's gonna come in and find some new hotness that all the kids have to go to and TikTok will be done. Right. So, so let's, not, let's not downplay the amount of risk that Microsoft or Oracle is going to take on when they acquire this social media phenomenon. Yeah. Because we don't know, like Facebook grew a phenomenon into one of the world's largest platforms. And um, they could easily have fizzled out. And many people predicted that they would because of immature management and yada da. But they didn't. Now, it's also very different to have an entrepreneurial company like a Facebook was in the 2000s and a company like Microsoft acquiring uh, TikTok. Although Microsoft does have, uh, under Satya Nadella, a pretty good acquisition track record, it is normally not in their wheelhouse traditionally. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. $30 billion. I know it doesn't sound like a lot of money today, but it really is. <laughs> And um, like a lot of money to me. That's a that's a big that's a big it's a big play. It, it would hurt Microsoft and it would hurt Oracle if they screwed the pooch on a thirty billion dollar acquisition. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so from from the sublime to uh, perhaps the less sublime, I saw two amazing things in VR this week that I wanted to talk about. Uh, one is AARP getting into the game uh, and launching, or I should say, relaunching a property they had on the go called Alcove. It's meant to solve the social isolation problem of older people and to create a place where um, families can come together. The technology that they're using uh, is a lot like what we see in big screen, 
and, and some other sites, new sites like Meet in VR. So, you know, in this way, you can be fully embodied with others and share media and 360 videos and play games. And hopefully they'll refine it and grow it. It's uh, obviously going to be pretty small potatoes for a while just because there aren't enough older people uh, on uh, the quest. But uh, I see that that's changing because I have friends who are getting a quest who are not <laughs> rapid adopters uh, of the uh, internet. So it'll be interesting to see how that grows. Have you guys seen it? Yeah, I, actually, I saw a demo of it ages ago. Yeah, I was actually, I've actually spent uh, some time with AARP people over the years discussing, you know, like in, even in the Samsung, um, God, I'm just blanking on the name. What was the Samsung VR headset called? Uh, oh, the gear. Uh, what's that? The, oh, the VR, the, the gear, the right, gear the VR, gear, yeah. That. It's all completely out of my head. The gear VR. In the gear VR days, they were experimenting with this early, early stage social for seniors. Um, I think what's really touching right now is because of the pandemic, uh, people, including seniors, are getting much more comfortable with remote collaboration, just like we're doing right now, right? And of course, there's all these memes and all this stuff going around the internet about how uh, seniors have real trouble with the mute button, right? <laughs> like, there's all these things where the kids are like, dad, you're on mute, mom, you're on mute, grandma, you're on mute, right? So it's like this whole thing. Um, but they're getting better at it. And the next logical step, once they get comfortable with their flat screen version, is to start looking at a spatial version. and as it correlates to the wider adoption of VR across the range and the grandkids having it and the grandparents popping it on because the grandkids say, hey, you know, check this out. We can actually be in a space together and wouldn't that be fun? Then you have a little vein of use case and you have a little vein of economics. And AARP, as someone who actually has an AARP card, uh, I can show it to you, it's in my wallet uh, because I'm 56 years old now. Um, is kind of more hip than you might think. Like they're slightly more hip. Well, they have, they have the, the, the probably one of the last magazines with a circulation of tens of millions of people. Mm -hmm. yeah. Apparently it's read. People who are in our AARP get the magazine, they read it, it's full of deals. And people love deals. So uh, AARP has quite a bit of power in the marketplace yeah. and power yeah. to market this platform, which uh, I, I hope they will uh, continue uh, to promote. Uh, and uh, exercise some patience uh, and, and wait for it to come to them. Um, as you say, VR is accelerating now that we understand the value of presence. Uh, it used to be a year ago, I would try and explain presence to people and they would look at me with their heads slightly cocked and be like, but I have presence. I have an abundance of presence, presence wherever I go. Why do I want presence from a machine? Yes. Of course, now deprived of presence, you don't have to explain that anymore. You don't have all the presence that you want. You would like some more. Thank you very much. Exactly. Well, that demographic too, I mean, right now they really truly are isolated. I have a neighbor. Right. I've actually never met her. She found me on next door. She lives right, you know, so I said, look, I'm going to the store. Happy to get you some things. I leave them outside. I've never seen her face. But when I talk to her, but no, but when I talk to her on the phone, she has days where she's chipper and she's happy and she's fine. She has other days where you can just hear this kind of palpable malaise and sadness because she has no human contact. So I think this is really timely. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those places where it's sort of a sleeper now, but you know, it could really take off and, and 
you know, help uh, people, especially at high risk now, um, you know, stay connected to their families. Yeah, so um, along these lines, Burning Man uh, would start normally on the 30th of August, and it too is virtual this year. Um, just like SIGGRAPH, this is, which started yesterday, um, SIGGRAPH, for those of you who don't know, is a giant computer graphics conference, uh, and it's sort of the most venerable of all the tech conferences because it, they've been doing it since, I think, the 70s. Uh, and, and it started out as quite technical and geeky, but has become uh, increasingly commercialized as, um, you know, spatial computing and graphic technology uh, have increased in importance. Uh, the guys from Burning Man are doing eight separate online events to replicate the experience in some fashion. But the most interesting one, in my opinion, is the one that BRC made on Altspace. Uh, it's a company called BRCVR. If you're clever about poking around uh, Altspace destinations, you should find it on page two as a sort of secret preview. Well, I got a tour of it yesterday and mind officially blown. Somebody did a capture of Burning Man in 2014. And they never knew what to do with it. And they showed it to the organizers who were like, oh my God, this is amazing. What do you want to do with it? And it kind of just sat there, um, known to just a few um, cognoscenti. Then along comes the pandemic and somebody at Burning Man says, hey, you know, you remember that thing? And so they got together with uh, Altspace, I guess, Katie Kelly, who was one of the managed Microsoft managers at Altspace, uh, is a burner. And um, they helped them build this amazing simulation in VR. I have to say, it's, it may be one of the coolest things I've seen this year. Uh, it's just so powerful. And it's, I don't know if you know, there's a fly feature inside of Altspace. So you actually can be 500 feet in the air over all of Burning Man. And it is stunning. And it, it has times of day. So you can go during the day or you can go at night. Um, so I, I encourage everybody to check it out. I think it's going to be great. Um, the virtual SIGGRAPH has a lot of uh, amazing things to show this year. Uh, it's prices start at $50 unless you're unemployed or a student or pretending to be one. Um, then, then you can get in even cheaper. Uh, other news this week, um, I'm sad to say it looks like Spaces is going to be deleted. Um, these guys fought the good fight. They were one of the leaders in location-based entertainment before everything they were working on was closed. Um, they pivoted their engineering team to build a social VR space, which I used uh, to, um, on, on Zoom, because any social space that has a browser integrated will allow you inside of the simulation to be on a Zoom call. So space is optimized for that. I used it for a couple of uh, presentations. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, they were working on it. They were making it better all the time, but uh, I guess the clock ran out um, and, and no big company came in and said, let us help you. Let us be in this business together. Um, speaking of which, um, Vive Sync is adding features. If you are on the Vive platform, uh, it is a free collaboration space that Vive was using with its software partners and uh, is now made available to anybody. Uh, it's quite good, but it's PC VR based. If you and your team are PC VR based, 
uh, it could be a good option for you. They've loaded it with features and web browsers and whiteboards and all the good things you would want in order to create a remote collaboration platform. Um, I think that's all the news for this week, uh, unless you guys are looking at the computer and something else has come up. Um, I can just throw a couple things based on Seagraph and Burning Man that you mentioned. Uh, it is very possible uh, that I will be one of the 3D avatars in the Seagraph show floor. Uh, there's a team that's tied to Comic-Con uh, that's working on that right now. So uh, you may see me as my 3D self floating around and doing some talk or something. Well, well you got to let me know so we can uh, chat, talk it up on social media. I will, I will let you know. They're, they're confirming it right now, and the, the team is sending over the asset to them and doing stuff. Uh, and then on the Burning Man front, when I don't know if you remember, Charlie, I was involved in a really interesting project using multiple screens in a cinema. Remember when we used to yeah. go to the theater uh, yeah. and we were experimenting with this sort of new version of like ultra, ultra widescreen cinema yeah. with a big projection company called Barco. Um, yeah, you and I were talking about that when we first met three years ago. Yeah, because you're involved in that similar stuff from your yeah. Disney background and all that stuff. Yeah. Circle Vision 360, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. one, of the, one of the projects we did was actually a Burning Man project. I actually saw early on that VR material that they did shoot of the playa. And again, it was like, this is cool, but there's no real use for it. And now there's use for it. We made, um, with a producer friend of mine, uh, a 40-minute Burning Man movie that, to my knowledge, was never released theatrically. We showed it at a couple of film festivals and things. Um, I'll see if they have interest maybe in featuring it and showing it off in alt space because it's a very cool experience. You really feel like you went to the, um, to the show and, and, um, and went to the playa that, that year. So I'll, I'll check with them and see. It was an well, interesting well, kudos, kudos to alt space. I think it's the best thing they've done. Yeah. And, uh, and kudos to Microsoft for, for rescuing them and building them into something uh, that is uh, really important to those of us in VR. Uh, Amy, it is great to see your smiling face, although it is virtual. Likewise, likewise, great to see and you. And always fun to uh, hash over the week's events. You know, on Tuesday, I'm always like, what the hell are we gonna talk about? <laughs> but you know, there's so much going on in the technology field right now that somehow every Friday we don't have enough time. Yeah. Anyway, thank you all for listening to us. And we'll look forward to seeing you next Friday when we'll have another edition of This Week in XR and continue to try and predict the future. Have a great weekend.